Tyler, happy Halloween. <sighs> happy Halloween. Ish. We're a little early, but it, it's good because it gives us a full 11 more days of, I guess, when people <laughs> are listening to this, it'll be 10 more days. But Oh, I should ask you, actually, like, do you know what you're going to be dressed as? Good question. I have a virtual Halloween party at work. Um, I don't. I probably mentioned this whenever we did it previously, but I have matching costumes for my dog and I to be Jedi's. So I'll probably just do that again. Um, I love it. Yeah. How about you? I love it. Um, I'm gonna be Han Solo. Uh, yeah, but that's only because my daughter is going to be dressed as the cutest goddamn Ewok you've ever seen. Mm, so she's not going to be Slave Leia. Yes. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, but uh, we were trying to figure out what, what costume to put her in. And she's apparently defines what we are going to be. And she put it on and it is the cutest thing I've ever seen. I'll send you a video of it. It's, it's adorable. Oh, I definitely need to see a video of that. Um, but, I've been watching a lot of horror films lately. Clearly, it's October. And I want to know, what do you think is one of your favorite chase scenes in a horror film? Where the where the killer is chasing a person, what do you think your favorite is? Oh, I this is the easiest question. You couldn't have served me a bigger softball on this. As <laughs> you know, my favorite horror movie of all time is... The Shining. The Shining. Uh, I've said that since the very beginning, and it is a movie I watch every year right before Halloween, if not on Halloween itself. Uh, the Shining has a number of very excellent chase scenes that happen, including you know ones where Jack chases Wendy down the hall, and he's like stuff. But of course, it's got to be the maze. It's got to be the maze at the end when Danny's being chased through the hedge maze and erases Covers his, his footsteps, footsteps up. Mm -hmm. yep. So then Jack freezes into a. Uh, frozen zombie that's that's got to oh, be the so best good. now that's an easy one um I, I i struggled to pick like another one but i think this is a movie that i watched uh i don't remember having mentioned it previously on american horror story and it was one i watched in the past year that i really enjoyed um and i remember there being a some good like in the woods chase scenes that happen in it so i wanted to throw it out there have you watched or did i tell you to watch the ritual Oh, yeah. I watched The Ritual. I love that movie. Yeah, it's great amazing. movie, right? Uh, first of all, I just love Rafe Spall is awesome. Um, I don't know if you've seen yep. Trying on Apple TV. He's great in that, and it's like a comedy. But in this movie, I thought it, that movie's excellent, and there's some good stuff that happens in the woods. It feels very wintry to me. It's, like, appropriate for the season. If Last I saw, I think it's on Netflix. So if you're interested and you haven't seen that one, excellent one. They're like, is it? norway or sweden that they're in maybe it's sweden it's scandinavian like we'll very rural sweden they're like in the woods like on a guy's trip um things go sideways as they tend to do excellent movie yep um yeah how about you what part in that i was say what part in that where they're running oh i think it's uh, in my it's been a bit since i oh, watched well, it fine. but i remember like yeah it's like in the woods when they're being chased is is I yeah remember, I, I just remember enjoying that like that was like one of those movies where someone had recommended it to me and i was like Oh, I fell asleep and I was like, I'm going to put this on. And I was like, very delight, delighted by what I found, <laughs> you know? Right. I, I have got two. Uh, my number one is probably one of the most iconic chase scenes of all time. And if anyone's ever listened to this podcast, and I know you know me very well, that it is 100% going to be Drew Barrymore in the original screen. 
it is just amazing. It's scary. It's it has weight to it. It has meta-ness to it. It's so brilliant, and it's it it shocked everyone because n- not in since Janet Lee in Psycho has the main build cast, the highest build cast member, the the star Drew Barrymore in this sense, been the opening kill. It was and it was brutal. It was brutal. And what what I think defines a really good chase scene is when they are inches from being safe or being close to being safe in this instance where she's close to her parents showing up at the door and she's screaming to them but her throat has been crushed and she can't scream loud enough and they don't hear her and then she gets murdered that's just iconic the second one i would say is helen in uh in i know you did last summer sarah michelle geller's character her chasing is incredible. She she runs to her sister's shop with all the gowns and things covered, and they lock the door, and the, all the mannequins are covered in plastic. And then, of course, the killers and the plastic mannequin thing and jumps at her, and she runs around. She runs out. She gets out, and then she makes it so close to the uh, marching band that's for the celebration that's happening in the town. And she stops for a minute and everyone's like, what the fuck are you doing? Don't keep going, keep going, keep going. And yet she she's inches away from making it to safety and she doesn't. And the killer's there. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think those that those are, I would say, my two favorite. We've been talking a lot about this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, oh, did you see? I think it's like, is it Amazon Prime who just put out a series or is putting out a series that's I know what you did last summer? They're like, yes, I did see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't heard much about it, uh, but I'm curious as I haven't. I hope it's better than the Scream series that MTV did. Mm, I didn't, which was yeah. just fine. That was all right. Well, and you're a Scream connoisseur, so that's true. Yeah, not, not, true. not passing the litmus test for you. Can't wait for Scream. They're not calling it Scream 5, but Scream, just Scream, coming in January. I'm definitely going to watch it. <laughs> Soon enough. Soon enough. <laughs> City looks good. Anyway. Shall we dive in? Should we do our, yeah, should we do our finale? Oh, Here we go. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show, American Horror Story. I am your host here with I am your host Tyler Moss here with my co-host Chris Hustad. What's up, everyone? Here we are. We're at the finale. Oh my God, we made it. Tyler, how are you feeling? Oh, we finished the double of the double feature. <laughs> Is the future perfect? Mm, we'll, we'll debate it soon enough. <laughs> That's certainly the case. Uh, a lot of thoughts. I think you and I both have plenty. Uh, and all sorts of good extra stuff packed into the end of this episode. Before we begin, we always appreciate it when you all reach out to us via email, via Facebook. That's this American Horror Story at gmail.com, facebook.com slash this American Horror Story. Uh, it's always good to get people talking. We really appreciate it when you send us your thoughts, your theories, everything else. First thing I wanted to say is 
Uh, I criticized you last week for screwing up your history in the moment uh, with, you know, mixing up Herbert Hoover. Edgar Hoover. <laughs> I, someone uh, was polite enough to point out to me that I also screwed up in criticizing you last week because I said J. Edgar was uh, the director of the CIA when he was the director FBI. of the FBI. Which I knew, just like you knew it was J. Edgar. I feel like the history's coming at us so fast in this series. Uh, I'm getting my facts mixed up in my head. So apologies to everybody on both our behalfs for not always being as historically accurate in the moment as we probably could have been. Um, hopefully we will try to be more true to form tonight when we talk just a little bit about this Watergate situation. Um, second, I want to say that we had multiple sources, thanks to Kyle, thanks to Anesthesia, and others, uh, who reached out to give us more background on Valiant Thor, who uh, is the subject of a real conspiracy theory, apparently. In 1957, it is said that Valiant Thor and two others landed on Earth from planet Venus and requested to meet with the president, or they said they were from planet Venus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Valiant was worried about Earth and its nuclear capabilities. And apparently this has ties to Project Blue Book, which everyone will know as this undercover systematic study of UFOs by the U.S. Air Force that took place from 1952 to 1969. So Valiant Thor is a real thing. I think we were trying to unravel the origins of the name a little bit last episode to try to gain something from that but it's it you know it's not a name that you know brad falchuk or any of those guys came up with it's it's actually a real name from history so all right there there you go the more you know (laughs) star with a rainbow yeah exactly and finally before we dive in to the meat and the heart and the cold open of this episode uh, as always, we want to thank everybody for supporting us this season. We tried something new, um, this whole buymeacoffee.com situation in which you can donate five bucks at a time and in different increments of five bucks to us to help support our server costs for producing this podcast. We really appreciate it. We just do this because we enjoy it, because we like talking to each other and we like talking with you all about American Horror Story. If and you we are so interested show. and inclined, and we do. And so we, we're sincerely thankful for everybody who... Uh, contributed over the course of this season. It helped us out a lot. If you are interested in uh, doing so still, um, we would sincerely appreciate it. Uh, you can do so at buymeacoffee.com slash T-A-H-S. That's T-A-H-S, all capitals. Sincerely appreciate it, and it goes a long way. Um, as it happens, the more listeners we get, the more server costs go up. But, you know, that's not a bad thing. We appreciate having everybody around and, and having this conversation with a broader audience. So thank you all for listening. It means a lot to us. We are the last standing American Horror Story podcast, as far as I know. There it goes. You know, there's something about this show that keeps bringing us back together, for better and for worse. Because we're not corporate. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) We're we're the anti-establishment, I guess. (laughs) Before we dive into Future Perfect, Chris, we always have to begin, of course, with what are you drinking this fun evening? I'm drinking a, a red wine. I'm trying, that it was what I started with with dinner, and I was gonna move to our staple, but I just had a whole bottle, so I I, I stayed with my. I, it's a Merlot tonight. Is it another fresh fresh Missouri vintage? 
Well, it started as a Napa one, and now I'm on the Missouri one because you don't open with the Missouri one. (laughs) (laughs) Look at you. I could lie, but I'm not going to lie. I'm drinking a Missouri wine right now. (laughs) I am drinking um, cold bourbon cider. It seemed appropriate for tonight. I will tell you, it is probably as much cider as it is bourbon. I felt like I, after watching this episode, it seemed proper yeah you do you well, man get get a little tipsy we'll discuss it in a moment but i'm gonna let you go ahead and take it away uh talk us through this cold open to the future perfect all right so this is gonna move quickly because my notes moved very quickly but we open with dixon in the white house people are outside the white house protesting the vietnam war i believe it's 1972 uh and yes. they are they are like showing swastikas for Nixon essentially. And Thor is there in the white house or in the oval office. And he says the war is, is actually performing an important function. It's a distraction for the missing Americans that keep disappearing. Obviously we know why the Americans are disappearing because of the agreement that Eisenhower originally established. Um, and he does say that the first hybrid will actually appear in 2021. For some reason, they know that it's going to be in 2021, which is interesting. That They know that it would take that long. Um, until then, there is a, according to Thor, a full menu of distractions, which is kind of fun. I love that uh, line because we all can guess what those distractions might be. Um Henry Kissinger, who's the head of the CIA or Secretary of State at the time, one of them, or both of them, (laughs) not really both of them, uh, is also there. And he's got this weird kind of like lurpy thing happening where his eyes twitching. And then he also like looks in the mirror when he leaves the Oval Office and he has has to like push his like upper cheek up or something. So he's clearly something. Um. And then we get a flashback three years earlier and Ike is sick in bed and Mamie is needle pointing at his side, shushing him about his fears about like, did he make the right decision, which we are all very tired of hearing about at this point. Um, He thinks that some of the people here are actually a competing species from the aliens that actually showed up and the ones he signed the uh, treaty with. Um, and that one of the people, and then one of the people that Thor abducted was the competition. So there are other people actually there that are just introduced in this final episode, which is kind of nuts. Um, in my, in my opinion at this point, I was like, oh, is Mamie one of those other people? I don't know. Um, but Mamie is just really fixated on what her legacy is going to be. And she wants to now establish evacuation day, uh, just like they do in Boston, uh, which is, I don't even know if that was a thing. Is that a thing? Tyler, you live there. I mean, I don't have a school aged child, so maybe it's a thing evacuation there. Um, but it's not a thing I've heard of. We have Patriots day. I've heard of. Well, I don't know if that's the same thing. Well, Ike is dying and Thor says, hey, I can take you to a place where you don't die. And he says that he died the day that he made that agreement. Uh, and he looks at Mamie and Thor and says, you two deserve each other. And then he dies. 
Uh, and Mamie says that she does not want to end up like that. So Mamie wants to live. She wants everlasting life. And then we get a flash forward uh, to 1972 again. And we have Gordon, who I don't know who he is. Uh, G. Gordon Liddy. Okay, mm-hmm. thank you. Uh, he was involved in the water skate scandal. That makes sense. Uh, reporting to Nixon, and Nixon thinks that, quote, quote, they want to kill him and that he he was picked for this reason because he's going to take the fall for all of this. Uh, and Nixon wants to know what the plan is for them, and he says he knows where Thor is located so they can, like, take Thor out possibly because he is very anxious and uh he's anxious about where uh, of his presidency and his leadership then we cut to the garage scene the iconic garage scene where a reporter well we don't know it's reporter but a reporter showing up uh saying hey i didn't think you'd be here or something like that and uh wants some information and we have the reveal of who is feeding some very secretive information to this reporter. And it is Mamie who is selling Nixon out. And she says she will only be called by one name, Deep Throat. Indeed. You know, in this opening scene, we certainly get some intermingling, which we've had all season of history and historical conspiracy with, you know, being tied into the story of this alien invasion some of the thoughts I had through it, I agreed that like maybe the most entertaining part was the 50 years of distractions just because it, I guess it's poking fun at the, I don't know, almost like a lot of the other history that Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk have covered in their other shows. It makes me think of the scandal or the American crime story happening right now about the Clinton scandal right. and stuff like that. Right. Um, I will say two things about Kissinger as Lizard Man. First one is I thought it was kind of cool. That he was a lizard man. <laughs> I thought that like when he, but then the second thing is like, that was all we got of it pretty much. <laughs> I was like, what is this? This seems like there's, this is such a gaping hole in the story of like, this would have been a lot more fascinating than some of the threads that we followed this episode or any of these in Death Valley. I don't know. That was a bummer to me because I thought his little tongue flicker and well, sagging eyes was kind of cool. And there is a whole like conspiracy about like lizard people too that, like exists in the world but i agree like introducing that in the final act does not make sense like i got excited about like oh there's they're gonna throw something else in this and it's gonna be nuts but then it just doesn't it it pitters out when theta you know just walks that out i feel a little bit like this having finished now it seems like this portion of the season and you know we had little bits of it in red tie but it was done in an actual like smart and tasteful way it feels like death valley was just like a little bit of a let's let's touch on as many conspiracy theories as we possibly can even if they're not at all related to the actual substance of the story we're trying to tell uh that's the impression i unfortunately got a little bit kind of out of things um yeah so i mean obviously you know we're tying the aliens to Watergate. Interesting that Nixon ends up being kind of framed in this particular context, and he's not the... I mean, they've still kind of made him be villainous because he was responsible for Marilyn Monroe's death, but he's not, I guess, the quite the the villain that history portrays him as in terms of Watergate, at least. Yeah, they, they say they're the pointing right it to the Democrats, but really it's about the aliens that 
was the reason that yeah it's i don't know yeah and then the amy three deep throat connection was like it's a little less powerful now that the real deep throat yeah, is revealed known. himself over uh, a couple years ago now um but it was entertaining i guess um i don't know again it felt like we were extending ourselves a little bit to connect dots uh, it was unnecessary to real history i don't know and then Mamie's whole thing about holidays so do you Mamie Eisenhower must have really done some stuff related to the adult celebration of Halloween and birthdays and things like that because the number of times they've mentioned this is is uh it's substantial that's one of my favorite parts is when Calico's like Girl, I got it. Like, it's ingrained in my DNA at this point. I know that's what you value and what you want it to be your thing. It's, but that doesn't like write off how annoying it was to hear it so many times. You know what? It's almost like Brad Falchuk and everybody else who wrote on this season wanted us as as viewers to like remember that Mamie Eisenhower. Yeah. <laughs> like helped us celebrate Halloween birthdays, Halloween. Birthdays. And she she even drops in Thanksgiving, and I don't know, maybe that's true. I I I'm sorry, I'm not going to do the entire research to know when Thanksgiving really kicked in, but I like some there's a, there's a Mamie Eisenhower apologist somewhere on the writing staff. <laughs> <laughs> Mamie Eisenhower is apparently responsible for all celebrations, non-religious holidays. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Writers for this episode, it was Brad Felchuk did come back. It was everybody. Unfortunately, I'm going to tease that I feel like his uh, writing prowess that was evident during most of Red Tide did not show up in this episode, in my opinion. Um, Amy messaged us and had the hilarious comment that I thought that uh, she said, someone stopped taking their muse pills. Um, And I thought that was pretty apt. Um, teasing a little bit how I feel about, unfortunately, this particular episode. But we had Manny Cotto, we had Kristen Rydell, and Riley Smith, who also helped uh, or was on the writing for Blue Moon, our previous episode. Director was Axel Carolyn, who directed Blood Buffet earlier this season, which was an episode in Red Tide. So diving into the rest of the body of this episode, there's a lot of things for us to, I guess, just speculate on and talk through. Um, and just wonder why they happened. I mean, Valiant and Mamie are planting a story to implicate Nixon, obviously. We pick back up in the past. We're still in black and white times. Um, you know, they have this plan to keep him quiet even after, you know, basically to push him to resign because he doesn't want to resign initially. Um, and they kind of make it seem at first like maybe the lizard man Kissinger is going to keep him quiet somehow. But instead, they just abduct him and probe him and seems like that does the job and next thing we see he's resigning so there's not really a it's not really clear why that kept him quiet but i maybe just knowing that they could abduct him and do anything they wanted with him yeah at any given point uh and then you know it's like knowing this is happening mamie decides that it's you know her her time has come to die die in quotations um, yeah. So she gets taken, 1979, as her funeral plays on the radio, she gets taken to Area 51, her her new home. Um, one, th- I mean, one thing we, we didn't mention uh, from just the cold open, really, or talk through, is the fact that on Ike's deathbed, he points out that Valiant and Mamie have been 
a couple all this time ever since he originally saw them you know having sex when he passed out Mm -hmm. yeah um and continue to be there's apparently an ongoing relationship there whereas before she just kind of thought of him as a i guess human-sized vibrator now there's an actual (laughs) ongoing relationship there although it doesn't really seem to be too much emotion attached to it other than valiant allows her to to live um yeah if i'm dwight eisenhower at this point is on his deathbed and i'm thinking like the whole reason i made this whole alien treaty was to in theory save mamie um it doesn't seem like it was worth it right which is also kind of funny when it gets to the end and mamie's making the choice of like one person one baby versus like all of humanity it's a little bit of a tie back i guess to to dwight eisenhower making that decision for humanity based on his his wife's it is and i think that's the most well-written structure of like full circle of like what mamie who sort of went behind ike's back her husband's back to make these choices that she wanted for herself. And then at the end, she realizes, oh, I need to do what Ike was actually trying to do this entire time, but was a little soft on because her life was at stake. So that that is the one thing that I felt worked. Even though I don't like the way... I, there is a different way I would have written the ending. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and now Mamie becomes a resident at... Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Yeah, I was gonna say one other thing that we learned is when Mamie is going to Area 51, she's like, why is the desert? Why am I always like gravitating toward the desert or some something along those lines? And Thor says, like, this is what is very reminiscent of our old planet. Like, this is what our planet looked like. So they feel comfortable there as well. And that's like one of the few things we learn about where they came from. Right, that it's a desolate desert wasteland. Yeah, Ooh, that's yeah. where they had to come to Earth. Um, which so, is, I, you know, it's 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 unclear if they made the desert that way. Um, exactly, I don't know because they had this. Be, there come, becomes a lot of eco criticism, which we'll get to at the end of this about how humans are destroying the planet. Um, which, but it sounds like the aliens kind of destroyed their planet too. So exactly, maybe a little hypocritical. Exactly. Exactly. That is one of my favorite like things I thought about that you just mentioned is like, dude, you wrecked your planet and you're gonna come here and blame us for wrecking our planet? Come on now. <laughs> so, oh. so so Mamie shows up at the Apple store and Calico recognizes. Because friends her. are with Calico. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They become buddies, which, you know, Mamie's been MIA since we've been in the present timeline with Calico. And and we all know Mamie loves a fan, and Calico's a fan. She really appreciates adult birthdays. And fudge. And we jump 50 years. To the um, present. 70, or no, 2021. 79. So it's, not, so it's not 50. It's 42 years. To the future. When um, we're in the present timeline, right after everyone will remember that the alien offspring, the hybrid alien offspring of Cal, last we saw was a face sucker. Yep. So the present timeline, SWAT team is coming through the facility, searching for presumably Cal and Troy who've disappeared. Among the rooms, they burst into Mamie Eisenhower's quarters. Um, she's apparently just like been hanging out here. It's um, it's un- it doesn't seem like she's a like a a hybrid alien vessel like 
Calico or the others in here are, but she's friends with them. She just like chills with them and, and lives in this, eats jelly cubes and lives here. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't make eternal life seem all that glamorous, but no, she, she has a, she's kind of in the social hierarchy toward the top, obviously, cause she's not one of the people that has to go to the uh, cafeteria. I will say this is one of my favorite things that this episode did was when Calico meets Mamie in the black and white days, it's really cool. She's Cal or uh, Mamie's dressed very differently. She has this like awesome gown or whatever. And then when we jump to the present, and she references this, she references this earlier when she says she also brought pink into like people's uh, livelihoods of what they like. Um, and we don't see that in the black and white, but then when we see her in the present time, her gown that she was wearing during the black and white days is actually a pink gown. And I thought that was pretty cool. I like that. It was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the only, like, that's the most effective use of the, the color black and white in the yeah. present that we've seen so far this season. The only. It's a little, it's a little Wizard of Oz like. You know? Yes, exactly. Oh, very good. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah, definitely. And there was there's one line when they're searching Mamie Eisenhower's room that I thought was like kind of chilling and and when you think about it, which was there's been an unauthorized death, I think is what one of the SWAT people says, Um, which I I mean, when you just kind of think about, I don't know, the idea of state killings and stuff like that, it's it's a little bit uh, ominous. Yeah. Sinister. But moving into the moon landing set, they find... A bunch, you know, Cal's alien baby, dead bodies strewn. I don't remember at this point in time yet if we've seen Troy's dead body. We do see like the edge of Cal's dead body. Um, we 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 see Troy dead too. We do. Okay, but we didn't know. And he died. we until didn't because until now, so he died as well. And uh, when the hybrid baby comes down from the ceiling and, and face sucks their own guy, they just fill him full of lead. Uh-huh. Data comes in to see what's transpired. We kind of review the scene, and then she has the B team come in to kill the A SWAT team. Yeah, which I, I guess is just maybe punishment for not guarding the door to the moon set very well. Which, um, I will say they continue to not guard very well because yeah, Kendall and Jamie go right back up there pretty soon. <laughs> I know. I was wondering. A team got killed. I thought because they like they slipped up, but also. They knew too much or something? I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, we jump back to, you know, the boys haven't shown up in a while. Kendall and Jamie are asking Calico if she knows what's going on because there's all this kind of hullabaloo happening. Um, You know, they wonder if the guys escaped, but Calico has made clear before, and it's still clear now, that escape is is not going to happen. It's impossible. They go back to the moon landing set where they find Cal and Troy and the SWAT team members dead. Uh, which we've already seen. So this is this, this is kind of like what's happened in a lot of Death Valley is is characters learning things we already knew in a way that's ends up feeling redundant. And yeah. then, mm-hmm. and then suddenly uh, it appears that the girls are going into labor, and we know this is the case because we open back up. They're giving birth um, in one of these very sterile delivery rooms across from each other. Um, they kind of dream of getting out afterward. I don't know what has inspired them to think that that's actually possible. Calico seems to actually be the only one who, who really gets it. Um, and, you know, it, Theta comes in and it's clear that, like, one of them is going to deliver 
a perfect specimen. Uh, first, we try Jamie, and her baby is not the one. So again, they kill that baby, and then they decide they're going to kill Jamie, which I was like, doesn't make sense. Why? Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Was it just a like you know stick it to Kendall? Uh, not entirely no. clear. Then, as did we predict this last episode? I think maybe yeah, we did. That Kendall, Kendall gives delivered. birth. Yeah. To the perfect baby, um, the hybrid. And then Theta, she she threatens Theta with like a weird threat that they're gonna get like bored and lazy, which seems like I don't know. It's just kind of a shrug moment where you're like, I think this was supposed to be some commentary on humanity, but it, it really falls flat for me. Yeah. And then she I agree. then she gets her head cut off by Theta, which was like, kind of tight. I was like yeah. I was like I actually enjoyed that. I actually yeah. enjoyed that moment. I wasn't expecting that, so I appreciated it. And then they plug some strange, like, alien balloon head onto her. It reminded me of, like, the weird arms that the, like, the things in the Matrix have. Um, my sucks my down favorite comment my... I saw was they turned her to Ikea lamp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I guess that was kind of cool. So, um, jumping ahead, we're not clear how long, maybe hardly at all. Mamie and Calico are celebrating... Mamie's birthday but she's not pleased with her birthday assuming at this point she's probably in her in her hundreds yeah somewhere um and and she's kind of bummed you know she's even though she continues to make a big deal of her legacy around Halloween and adult birthdays she's she's unfulfilled um and that's when they learn that the first hybrid baby has been born and Mamie tracks down Valiant, uh, where she gets the truth, which is basically the aliens were disingenuous from the beginning and they were never going to let humans survive. And they're planning to clone Kendall's body and get rid of all humans by repopulating with hybrid aliens. Um, you know, Mamie feels betrayed and also like she is a traitor for having trusted him for all these years. And finally seems to come to the realization now that Ike was right all along, all his very repetitive griping about having made the wrong decision uh at this point in time i was like what has she really been doing for the past 50 years i mean she's kind of a prisoner of sorts i guess but like uh it's like a prisoner at a white collar prison where she yeah she has more free reign doing push-ups um Mm-hmm. And then she then she asks uh, Valiant about this other lizard group, and this is the last we hear about them. Is basically, yes, they exist, and no, they're not going to kill them. They're just going to be friends and share technology. Yeah, but they are going to yeah. kill the humans. Yeah, he's like, oh yeah, we know about them, and uh, we're cool with them. What the fuck? Why bringing them up at all? Even like what? I you just introduce a third antagonist possibly, and that that could have been awesome, and it just gets written off in the conversation is like yeah we know they're here we're gonna live with them but we're not gonna live with you guys what yeah unless you're setting up like another part two for this which i imagine they probably want to i i I don't know i i hope not frankly um you know mamie decides she wants to see the specimen runs into theta um you know sees the baby thinks it's beautiful you know theta kind of gives her this whole thing about the world being run by machines when they see the Ikea lamp on Kendall's body. 
which I think is uh, additional commentary on you know kind of this Luddite theme that Kendall was was talking about. I mean, it's also kind of ironic that Kendall becomes a machine after seemingly being sworn off of machines. Mm-hmm. Um, then Mamie thinks that she's like informing Theta of Valiant's plan is like bringing Theta in as like a co-conspirator. And I guess maybe she thinks this because Theta is also a hybrid. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we quickly learned that's not the case. Back in the rec room, she's trying to get Calico on board with the big plan. Um, the three, the two of them and, and Theta are going to kill the specimen and then kill Kendall's body. And then they won't be able to do it. Save humanity. Right. Uh, with Theta's help. Which, at this point, I even wrote, like, why would Theta help them? Which we quickly learn uh, there was no real reason that Theta would help them. No. Well, like, Mamie th- makes it seem like... Or the whole thing makes it seem like Theta doesn't even know about this plan. Which, that seems ridiculous that she wouldn't know about this plan. In, in, in the sense that she's been the scientist working on this for however many decades, probably. Right. And, and through all... I mean, she's Mamie's been in here now for 40-some years... And doesn't have a sense. First of all, it's never met Theta. Once. Has never, never run met into Theta. each other. Exactly. Has at never all. even met Theta. Are you kidding me? And there's been no evidence whatsoever that Theta is anything but kind of a pretty cold-hearted scientist, similar to the chemist. Fair, funny enough. Um, but you know, she's about to kill. She's thinking of killing the baby. Makes this whole kind of speech about immoral acts become moral when you're saving all of humanity. You know, this whole argument about going back in time to kill baby Hitler. Um, (laughs) Says the line, I may be goddamn Eisenhower. Um, But then she gets frozen by Theta because, of course, Theta is not really in on the plan. Um, Then we kind of get this. It it was already hinted at by Valiant, but it's reemphasized here by Theta about like why she's like, why would I join with the people who killed this planet and all its natural resources? Which, again, is like, I feel like this message wasn't. It was kind of like a background message, and all of a sudden, this is becoming like eco science fiction, yeah, in a way, um, which seems a little bit out of left field. And then, um, you know, Calico agrees with Theta as Mamie's frozen, and and like realizes that apparently humanity doesn't deserve to exist. And then Mamie's head explodes, just like back at the beginning of Death Valley with Maria and some of those others, and and she's there to witness another baby being born. Then we go to commercial, and I'm thinking we're going to return and have some kind of exclamation point, and we cut directly to credits, and then it's over, and that is Death Valley. What the fuck? I texted you, I was like, wait, was that the end? Yeah, that was the end. (sighs) Let's just have a moment. Bummer is 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 the word that comes to mind for me, um, and we'll talk about this now. No resolution. I'm just gonna go ahead and you know, it's totally possible that my rating for this episode is going to be tainted by the fact that I was hoping for some kind of some kind of tie together of, of anything, even if it was only a tie. You know, I think we were optimistic that there was going to be some connection back to Red Tide. Clearly that didn't happen. Then we were trying to think of like, what are some things last week we were brainstorming? What are some things that could happen just to make death Valley play out? And this is just like, you know, the old, like 
T.S. Eliot quote that like the way the this is the way the world ends, not with a bang yes. but a whimper. Yep. This yep. felt like a, quite a whimper to end this season, and, and it sucks that it, this was this was the way that things panned out because it, it just it definitely feels like we're not ending on a, a big fun twist. It, nothing was surprising. Um, I don't even like Mamie Eisenhower as a character. She was annoying, so it wasn't particularly, you know, I wasn't connected. Um, I might the the final message. It was just it was predictable in a in a bland way. Uh, this episode was rough for me. It was like, you know, I. I think I wrote this in to to some folks in emails this week that had written to us, but it was like sometimes you just kind of wish that the writers would go and read Reddit threads from fans, and they might get some better ideas of how to end some of this stuff than than their own devices because this one just it did not pan out. And as many people as they had working on it, um, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's this episode was, uh, I did to me. It did not have the the last episode. I was like, okay, we had a little fun, even though I had nothing to do with the story. We had the thing with like the moon landing that was kind of fun. The flashback. This one, I I don't feel like there, it had any redeeming qualities for me. I didn't enjoy. There was not really a moment of it. I mean, there was maybe a couple lines where I like nodded gently, and that was probably it. I'm going to give this episode. And this is pretty brutal. I'm going to give it a two. I'm going to give wow. it a two. And that's that. That is, and I checked this. That is the worst rating I've ever given any episode, including any episode of American Horror Stories. Wow. Um, because it was, if you think about the trajectory of where I was at, and I, you're you're thinking of the whole season, the season as a whole at this point in time. And you kind of think of like, I feel like I've heard so many good ideas from people who've reached out to us and like threads I've read and stuff of like all the cool ways things either could have been tied together or even Death Valley could have been tied up better. This was just the most, um, it was, it was like a lazy way to end. It just felt like a lazy way to end the season. And it it was massive disappointment in my book. Massive. Um, So I'm going to give it two... Give me some medium of uh, two adult birthday parties. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Perfect. Two adult birthday parties. Yeah, man. I it 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 was not good. Um, I like that. At least at least moved quickly through the storyline, so we can like get to some sort of ending. Um, the ending that the where it actually ended was just surprising because, like you, I the commercials happened and I was excited to see like the last couple minutes of whatever might happen and the credits happened. Um, I imagine that's what they want us to experience and I don't like it that. It fell flat. Yeah. Um, I think one moment that I really appreciated in this episode was when we got to see Mamie and Calico interact um, seeing Sarah Paulson and uh, Leslie, oh Grossman. Lizzie, Leslie Grossman uh, interact was kind of fun. Like I was like, oh shit! Like I, I like I want to see these two characters like hang out a little bit more, more than Leslie Grossman and our younger actors who did a fine job. Fine, whatever. I know some people really hate it, but like I thought it was fine. I thought they did fine. I thought that 
Kaya Gerber did much better in this than she did in uh, American Horror Stories. But um, but I like those moments. And then at the end, when Mamie was frozen, I thought like I when I watched that moment, I loved Sarah Paulson all over again, just because she's so good. She is so good. And I'm such a fan. And I thought that the that Theta was going to make her slit her own throat or something like that instead of make her head explode or that Calico was going to come up and like kill uh, Mimi and like take on and be a vessel or whatever. Um, a lot of things didn't make sense in this episode. The choices that were made of who lives, who dies, and a lot of things didn't make sense with the historical context of just trying to like make things work for certain uh conspiracy theories and it was just a lot of conspiracy theories that were forced into this you know whatever it's a it's this sounds awful but it sounds it seemed like a horribly done not horribly just not a not a well done version of a episode of (laughs) x-files um and that's what sarah said she's like oh this seems like x-files but not very good i was like yeah because X-Files dealt with like a lot of conspiracy theories and, and aliens and things like that. And X-Files was amazing. This delved into that, but did not accomplish, I think, what it was trying to do. I know that American Horror Story tries to pull in the camp, but sometimes it doesn't blend well with the historical context or the, the historical stories that they're trying to do. And then it just comes kind of muddled. Um. I'll be a little more generous than you because I felt like I, I that this at least moved along in a clip and sort of ended the story. And I will give this a three, which is probably one of the lowest I've ever given too. three birthdays, adult birthdays. You've, you've given lower, um, you've given lower, but it's, it's, it's bad. It's, it's definitely not good. Um, so, of course, this gets to our point of reflection on the course of the whole season. Um, before I have you rank the seasons, we have a fun new element we're introducing this season, and it's major Ooh. thanks to I, I teased it earlier. I think this season, but major thanks to Josh Harris for doing this for us and putting it together. Josh went through, and every episode we've ever done of the podcast, he tally what our what our individual rankings of the episodes were so we're going to do a fun exercise in which we're going to compare our our rankings in our mind to our actual rankings based on the data um not only that he also took the ratings from imdb so we'll see where we stand oh my god Josh, people you are feel about amazing. It on IMDb. you are amazing this is this, this is fantastic um then we can also do some other fun things about like <laughs> that's how i know that like I, I did not have another episode ever that was as ranked as poorly as this one, for instance, um, and, and some other fun things uh, that I'm going to slice and dice a little bit for us. But before we dive into any of, of those portions of it, of course, as always, I need you to tell me coming out of this season. Now, we'll talk about it a little bit afterward, but for this particular exercise, you are not allowed to separate Red Tide from Death Valley. It was uh, billed as double. It, it was billed as double feature. It must be considered as double feature. Okay. God damn it. So, what do you want me to? What do you want me to do? 
I want you. I want you to give your ranking. Your your ranking of the seasons based on that, and you have to include a okay. feature in there. You fortunately, Tyler's wonderful. Everyone, he texted me my rankings at the beginning of the season of what I said, so I already know what my rankings pre double feature were. I am going to say, I'm looking at my rankings right now. Oh, this surprises me a little bit. I might move some of these around. Um, number one, Asylum, Abby. Number two, Murder House. Number three, Roanoke. Number four, 1984. Number five, Coven. Number six, Hotel. Number seven, Colt. No. Number seven, double feature. No, number seven, Colt. Number eight, double feature. Number nine, Freak Show. Number 10, Apocalypse. I did it. Wow. Wow. I've officially moved Freak Show from my last place to my second to last place. Well, that's a big move. Um, also, what's, I mean, what's brutal about this is as much as we loved so much of Red Tide, it's almost like the lingering taste of Death Valley in your mouth moved it to one of your, what, it was your third to last ranked season? Or my third, My third to last was, was Hotel. But I it's, moved it you're up. Putting it a, you're putting it ahead of Hotel. I'm putting no. I'm putting hotel, and then I'm going um, double, feature, double feature, and then I'm going cult. Oh, no, no, I I can't remember what I just said. Hotel. You, you um, and cult higher up. Yeah, you, I you, used, then you did freak show and then apocalypse. Yeah, freak show apocalypse. So it's my third or last mm. now. Double feature is my third or last, which sucks because if we had just ended with red tide, it would be it would be right after coven. I want to talk about where your scores are versus your, where you are based on the data in a minute, but take a minute to reflect on Double Feature, and I just want you to talk through how it ended up in that position for this season. Sure. So first five episodes, amazing. We got the Stephen King vibe. I loved it. It was a little too much sometimes, but that's okay because that's what I expect with American Horror Story. Loved it. Sixth episode, totally crushed it in the worst way, like killed it because we killed off all our main characters pretty much in non-glamorous ways. And we moved and spent way too much time in the epilogue in LA with what happened to Alma and the chemist and uh, Dolores. Dolores? That was her name, right? Doris. Dolores. Yes, Doris. Who are you talking and, about? Uh, um, Leslie, Leslie Grossman? Grossman. Yeah. Oh, Ursula. Ursula. Of... Sorry, Ursula. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, Dolores was obviously. Um, oh my God, people are gonna hate us on, on my thing. Uh, that was. Um, you mean you mean Lily Rabe's character? Lily Rabe's character. I'm sorry. Doris. Sorry, sorry, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I did not like the ending. We talked about this in our episode of that. It was. It just. It. It. It put all the 
effort and the weight into Alma and her story, which I was not as invested in. I was more invested in our characters like Mickey and uh, all the all the people who were living in P Town still. So that that episode sucked, and it was frustrating. But the first five were fantastic. I loved it. We were excited because it was a new thing. When we started the second part of Double Feature, when we started with Death Valley, the first episode, we're like, eh, I don't know. But the whole black and white thing, the whole sci-fi thing was really interesting. And and I like the historical context of it. And then we brought in the, we tried to marry in the present time with our college kids, which wasn't the most exciting thing. Much more standard B-horror movie that you'll find on Netflix that they just churn out left and right. That wasn't great. And as the second part of Double Feature went on, all the black and white stuff that happened with the Eisenhower administration to the Nixon administration and JFK, all of that, it just was redundant and didn't feel valued and worthwhile to actually invest in these characters with. It was more like let's touch on these all, all these like conspiracy theories and use the presidential characters to work through in a way to get Sarah Paulson as Mamie all the way to the through end. I, it just yeah. I don't know. It felt like it felt like it felt like Death Valley should have been one episode on American Horror Stories, and it felt like totally. the what what Red Tide was had a lot of promise and it was fantastic and i would have been happy if they had just done six or seven episodes and really polished off red tide yeah and left it at that fair enough do you want to hear how the data stacks up oh, uh, against what your your real ratings were yes this is interesting so your top ranked from your ratings season of anything is murder house at 4.1 average mm. for that season. Next, you've got a couple ties. The t- tied for second, you have both Roanoke and Colt at 3.98. It was a it was a different era. I, we were experiencing during the weird years, the Trump era. <laughs> <laughs> then you have double feature at 3.95. A lot of that is pulled up by, of course, the red tide ratings. Oh, yeah. Followed closely behind another tie of Covenant Hotel at 3.94. So 0.01%. Covenant Hotel are tied? Wow. Yes. I can see that, I guess. Followed by 1984 at Mm 3.92. Asylum all the way down here at 3.88. Well, that's just stupid. Which shows how memory changes things. Freak Show at 3.77. And Apocalypse at 3.55. Well, that one sounds about right. (laughs) (laughs) I will say that we started with Asylum, so I had no grading reference for other episodes and other seasons. That's true, because we went back and did Murder House just over the past much year. later yeah so if we went back and did asylum now i would 
I guarantee I would probably rank a lot of those episodes way higher because I I've I have actually gone back and watched episodes of Asylum, which I haven't done with a lot of other seasons, except for yeah. Murder House, obviously. Mm-hmm. Okay, wh- wh- where where do you lie in all of this? Okay, so my ranking without scores involved, and I wrote this down uh, before I calculated these prior to this episode, or prior to the end of us having this conversation right now. Uh, my rankings are okay. Murder House still number one. Asylum still number two. Roanoke still number three. Devil Feature number four. I was really Ooh. actually debating it. Yeah, I was debating whether or not to put Coven ahead of it, and I went and headed to Devil Feature, Coven, Hotel, Freak Show, 1984, Apocalypse, and Cult is my bottom of the barrel. Now, before I tell you what my data says, I want to say that I thought Red Tide was really good. Amazing. I I thought that it was, even though it didn't stick the landing in the way we wanted it to, and we were hoping for some tie back, and we had a lot of complaints after episode six. Looking back on it and compared to Death Valley, I'm like, I'm okay with how it ended. It wasn't, it was nowhere near perfect, but even that yeah. episode had moments. Good point. Um, it's just, as, as a whole, it was like one of the most cohesive seasons we've had in a very long time. Um, I feel like the characters were so interesting. The setting was so vibrant. Uh, there wasn't, the, the writing was just all overall much tighter. Um, there was moments that were kind of creepy and scary. There was moments that were entertaining. Uh, it, it had it all. Um, the was acting great. was really solid. It yep. was it was fun. It, I I loved it. I thought Red Tide was fantastic. Um, Death Valley felt like a waste of time. Frankly, <laughs> I feel like I, I agree with you that it could have been an episode of American Horror Stories. I feel like there was if it really didn't feel like it needed to be stretched out to four episodes. I was tired of it after two. I felt like the present timeline with the kids I was never invested in. I feel like I I kind of enjoyed the part with the Eisenhower in in the first episode of it, but like it just kept getting getting drawn out with the same characters saying the same things every episode. Uh and it, you know what I mean and we didn't. It felt like we weren't getting that much new. And there was nothing that really happened at all that was surprising throughout it. It was just like, it was almost supposed to be like the intrigue of every episode was like what new conspiracy theories they were tying it to. Um, but it wasn't enough to sustain me or make me feel fulfilled in really any way. Um, if I were, there's so many other things I, you know, obviously the the ultimate would have been if they could have found some cool way to tie in both Death Valley and. Red Tide, which obviously they did not. They went with a very classic double feature interpretation of two entirely exactly. different seasons. Exactly. And um, double features which, never connect really, except for sharing actresses. That's it. I think that was a mistake. I think that they came up with the name double feature, thought it was a cool concept, maybe came up with the whole idea for the entire storyline of Red Tide, and then had this rough idea about some alien plot, and they're like, oh, that'll be cool, but then could never figure out the alien pro- plot in any way that made real coherent sense and it felt very tacked on to the end of everything um i would have rather 
not gotten any of Death Valley and only gotten a six episode season that was only Red Tide. I agree. Obviously, obviously, if we had had a little bit more time to actually, you know, land Red Tide, that would have been fantastic. If I am American Horror Story or, or like Netflix and I'm releasing this on Netflix, do you remember when uh, Netflix released, um, it was like the they did the next se- the four, season four of Arrested Development and they had it like in some weird yes. sequence and then like yep. no one liked the sequence they came out with so they reshuffled it. And put it in a more like a the storyline made more sense where it jumped around less. Yep. If I was Netflix, I, th- I would hold Death Valley and only <laughs> put out Red Tide or put it's them out Red as Tide. separate seasons and not as one solid season. If anybody asked me, should I watch American Horror Story this season? I would say yes through episode six and then stop. That's yeah. what I would tell yeah. people. It was yeah. that much of a bummer to me. There was like a couple moments, but it was there was not enough to to take someone's time to watch Death Valley, and it's it was a huge bummer just because of how incredibly strong Red Tide really was, and we'll talk about that more in a second. So based on that, my ratings with Data would have had me have me at Murder House at a four point one five, um, so still highest. Roanoke is next as a number two based on ratings oh. at four point zero five, then Hotel mm. at three point nine four. Double Feature at 3.83, Coven at 3.79, 1984 at 3.75, Cult at an average of 3.7, Asylum at 3.69, and again, same caveat as you, that we were still figuring out our rating system then, and that season, in our memories, has a lot more vibrancy to it. Freak Show at a 3.69, which also has risen in my memory a little bit. And Apocalypse at 3.63. So we both have that Freak Show Apocalypse as the bottom two. Um, Which is funny because in my actual ratings, Cult has dropped down to the bottom. Um, Now, this is interesting. So where would, based on the data, where would Double Feature sit if we cut off Death Valley and did not include it? If we only were grading Red Tide, which I already said we cannot do. But right. for the sake of for the sake of speculation, if we could, it would both be our top season by far in terms of rating. For you, it would be an average of four point three seven five, and for me, it would be an average of four point three three. So that just goes to show how much Death Valley dragged it down. Yeah, which is a bummer. Fun fact: the only perfect five ever given in any episode we did was I gave the pilot of Murder House a five, a perfect five. But you That's gave it only a five. That's the only episode we've ever given a perfect five. Oh, you'd be a really good teacher. <laughs> okay. It's the only one. It's the only one. So that's rare. Um, do you want to hear how IMDb ranks the seasons? Oh, God. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. IMDb's top season is Asylum. Yeah. Followed by Murder House. Perfect. And then Apocalypse. No. Then Coven. Uh, okay. F- Freak Show. No. 1984. Okay. Hotel. Okay. Roanoke. Uh, double, double feature, but with the caveat that they don't have the rating on IMDb yet for the future yeah. perfect. But assuming it's not going to get much higher than where it's at, if not yeah. lower. And then finally Colt at the bottom. I could see that. Cole, Cole was kind of controversial at the time because they did they pushed that, that season out because Trump got elected and they're like, we need to do this right now, which in reality, no one really wanted to deal with that at the moment. <laughs> um, 
It was interesting. It gave us a lot of good characters. It was fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now we get to our our, our awards. Uh, oh, our awards, oh, award season, you know. <laughs> yes. Get get your ballot ready. Um, like uh, to thank the academy. Um, should you... I fill my glass up real quick? Sure, go for it. Okay. Tell 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 everyone what our awards are. Okay, you want to know what we are spinning this time around? Um, I'll be interested to see if you have anything to add on to it. Uh, first one is obviously going to be MVP. Of course, we're talking the MVP of all of Double Feature, so you can pick anybody from either. You're very likely going to pick an MVP from Red Tide. So I'm then going to follow up with that and push you if you and say if you had to choose somebody, if you had a um, laser knife to your neck and you had to choose an MVP from Death Valley, you <laughs> make you choose one of those. Then we're going to talk about best um, newcomer, of course. That's a category we have to hit. Um, we're going to talk about, uh, uh, well, we're going to talk about best episode, or maybe we'll just talk about best moment, and then I'll tell you actually what our best episodes were based on actual um, definitive rankings in the data. Then we're going to talk yeah. about biggest disappointment, and this is, it can't just be like all of Death Valley. It's got to be on a more granular level. Uh, oh biggest okay. surprise, and that can take any shape or form. And then oh I've got a gosh. super secret, super secret final question for you uh, to round it out. Um, but of course, if you have additional questions to throw in, you are always welcome to. Yeah, I don't have it right now, and I'm gonna be really wild on on these answers because it is so hard to remember even like everything that happened, just because we've had two stories. But well, but but the thing is, the the moments like the cream will rise to the top, right? So you'll you'll know. Uh, first of all, let's talk about full season MVP. And from from you know looking at the season on the whole, who who's your your star? I'm going to obviously lean toward uh, Red Tide. <laughs> um. Oh God! I think it's Macaulay Culkin. I think it's Mickey. Ooh. Like he was Mickey's just such. MVP. Well, wow. I mean, I actually, you know, I'm gonna, you know, no, 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 I'm gonna hold him for new person. Uh, MVP. I will go with. I think Finn Woodrock. I think he did a really good wow. job as, as the dad and and doing that. Harry Harry Gardner. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harry Harry sucked. But oh no! I now I'm changing my mind. Now I'm thinking it's Lily Rabe. But also, tuberculosis Karen was so good. Again, like Red Tide was so good. Okay, okay, okay. Give me a sec. Give me a sec. Give me a sec. Um, if I'm thinking about like who I thought did the best job. No, I know who it is. It's Belle Noir. It's Frances Conroy. I knew you'd come back My to girl. Frances Conroy in the end. My girl. I, I, can't, I can't not pick her. She's so great. She doesn't get the accolades that a lot of the other actresses or actors do. And she is phenomenal. I love her. So it's well, Belle Noir. It's know, Frances Conroy. And we should know that that character was originally supposed to be played by Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates, so, yeah. So and she would have been great too. Frances Conroy came in and nailed it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that she's she's my girl. So, uh, who is your MVP? Ooh, I, I, I'm going to acknowledge that I think Finn Wittrock did a very good job as Harry Gardner. It's like it's an honorable great. mention. It's an honorable mention in my book. Uh, but for me, after having thought about it, stewed upon it now, MVP for this season uh, goes to TB Karen. It has to. I, and my uh, my reason choice. for it is good choice. Very, just very different character for Sarah Paulson, which I really appreciated. We hadn't seen her in 1984, so it was her homecoming to a yeah. certain extent. And, uh, I mean, I thought it was a, just a, a fantastic job. And the character, I mean, the character's arc and the storyline, it was, it kind of, it, it was powerful. I thought she did an excellent job. The chemistry with Macaulay Culkin was awesome. Amazing. Uh, I thought, I thought it was, it was very well done. It was very well done. I do want to say that I, I don't remember if it was you or I, or, or you or me or, or both of us, but we had talked at the end of Red Tide, we were like, we were seriously considering Brad Falchuk, calling him our MVP. Yeah. Unfortunately, I feel like he dropped the ball on Death Valley, and I don't know that I... He was so close. He was so close. But he, you know, it's like he got injured in the final quarter of the season, and he he's just out of consideration. Ah, <laughs> uh, good choice, though. So, like, so, yeah. So, she was... Sarah Paulson is... We have a lot of people we love. We love all these people, but like, she did a great job. She did. Karen, fantastic. So, okay, next question. Laser knife to your throat. If you had to pick an MVP from Death Valley, who would you pick? Ugh. Um, I would say, even though I did... Uh, there's two people I'm choosing between. It, it sucks because sometimes their characters don't like pan out and do anything great, but I think they did a really good job. But I think I think Sarah Paulson was fantastic, and I liked it. I, I like what she did, but I do think that Neil McDonough, McDonough, you know, McDonough. he was really good at just being like Eisenhower. Like I thought that was really good. Um, yeah. You know, what? I'm gonna I'm gonna get kind of wild here. I'm gonna say Calico. I'm gonna say Leslie Grossman. Wow, and I mean she she was good. It's a character it, it, that's 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 it's it's solid and it's testament to Leslie Grossman because it's a character that in a lot of ways I'm gonna say didn't make sense. It's a character that didn't need to be there for any not reason. at all. <laughs> but when she showed up, I'm like, oh, thank God you're here, so we could like have something funny or you know, she she pulled she pulled her her weight and. And she gave us the great, moving. yeah, and gave us the great little, you know, Paper Moon side yeah. track, which was actually... I loved it. Mm-hmm. That, that was a fun little uh, dalliance. I, I like it. Solid one. Mine is uh, Craig Schaefer, who played Richard Nixon. I thought he did a very... Oh. I thought he did a good job. I was Look impressed. Look at you! He did, mm-hmm. he did do a great job. I was, I was impressed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. Good choice. Best Newcomer. Are we doing for both of them? Or are we doing for all of them? You're doing. We're not going to do separate. You can do them because okay. it, it was only. I'm only going to make you pick a specific MVP for Death Valley. The rest of these okay. are from are from. Macaulay Culkin, 100, was just such a welcome newcomer, and he crushed it. I love him. I hope we see him in future episodes or future seasons. Um, 
close second, I will say, even though I did not like her, is the actress that played Alma. And her name is Ryan Kira Armstrong. She was great. She was a really good actress. So fantastic job. But, you know, I'm in my 30s, so definitely Macaulay Culkin's my boy. (laughs) Uh, What about you? I, I mean, you touched on the two ones that, like, I was torn between as well, frankly. And I'm going to go the opposite way, and I'm going to say Alma. And the reason being, I I also love Macaulay Culkin, of course. thought he did a fantastic job as Mickey. But I just have to respect the fact that, the, you know, how old is the girl who played Alma? She's got to be... She's like 10 or 11. 9, like 10, yeah. 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 Um, and I thought her acting chops were way impressive. Fantastic. She's She's got a great career ahead of her. Hopefully yeah. she's got good parents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, Macaulay Culkin can say a thing or two about that. Um, right. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, you already said Neil McDonough, too. I, I, it's worth just mentioning that I, like, I, I hope we see him in more American Horror Story, um, fr- you know, in the franchise yeah. in the future. Because I think he was, he was solid. And he seems like, yeah. just like one of those. Seems like a good Just dude. like everything he's been in, he, like we've talked about before, he's one of those guys where you never remember his real name. But he, like, he just does a solid job with the role he's given you know agreed so best episode it's hard I, I'm, I'm not going to actually ask you what your best episode was but i'm going to tell you what it was by rating um episode three thirst and episode five gaslight you both gave 4.75s to so those were like really big episodes um in your book i was instead i want to ask you what what one of your favorite moments was? What's a moment that you remember from this season that was just like, or just a really powerful, strong, or or a series Oof. of moments? Yeah, um, I remember the drag episode being really interesting and fun, and and kind of like it held the campiness of what American Horror Story is, but it still had the threat of horror within it. Um, Evan Peters doing his drag was a little weird and whatever it was, but the whole sequence of the horror of the, the people, the, the pale people coming in and getting some of the, or attacking some of the drag people, but also the episode as they, as the quote unquote vampires, whatever they're considered, the people who took the pill, uh, going after people who wronged them i felt that that's something that i've told friends about like oh you should watch this episode this is what happens it's kind of crazy it's cool it's fun it's fun though what would yours be so as as far as the data goes my top episode from the season was the first episode cape fear and the reason i you know in, in my memory the reason that sticks out is because it just it felt like such a new um tone for american horror story uh, P-Town was so vivid. The mood of the season was so vivid. The storyline was so engrossing when we were first talking about this pill that makes you like, uh, you know, um, have these incredible powers of creativity, but there's also a cost to it. So there was some interesting moral dilemmas that we were just kicking off. Uh, we had the opening scene with uh, Belle Noir and Austin doing karaoke, which had that Twin Peaks vibe that I seriously loved about Love it. It was that. excellent. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that all the karaoke moments, uh, like a lot of times I've been critical of music moments in past seasons, 
the one that comes to mind in particular is Freak Show that had a lot of musical moments that I was not a big fan Too of. Too many. That's why we didn't like it. This, I, I thought, I, I loved the karaoke parts of this this season. They were fantastic. Um, I thought that the way the pale people moved, especially that guy who was from Cirque du Soleil, was creepy as hell. And that, I, that like, gave me the managers. And then the way that the storyline ended with TV, Karen, and Mickey, as brutal as it was and as much as people didn't like it, oh. it's like in, in retrospective memory, it was like, that's almost like where the season just should have ended right there. It was just so powerful in so many ways and like tb karen just like you know um basically after having been forced to take the pills just like going out on her own terms um it was it was badass and it was i liked it it's also beautiful knowing that we don't know what her artwork was you know we we complained a little bit or i did about how we don't know what she drew and i want to know what what it was but it's kind of beautiful that we don't yeah um that's cool you know to see like who she was and we've seen some of her other artwork that she had done in other moments in in other places locations in in p-town but to see what she did as her you know opus like would be really cool but the fact that we don't get to see it that's that's a good touch again which is why red tide was awesome yep Biggest disappointment, uh, and this can be at the macro level, it can be at the micro level, it can be whatever you want it to be. Macro level, Death Valley. <laughs> um, I I think I think they had a good idea of trying to tie in like a current fun like horror, again Netflix B movie that gets put out every week with. A historical context and tying them together that's really cool i like the idea of it to do it in four episodes is doable as well but we just cycled back to a lot of the same things that it didn't work um so disappointment would be not executing those four episodes in a in a in a in a correctly narrative narratively formed way that works for a story if that makes sense it it just it it dallied around too much and spun its wheels a few too too many times where we knew all the things that the characters motivations were and yet we still were sitting there with it for four episodes so I, I would say the timeliness, this is this is more macro, but the timeliness of getting through the story for Death Valley. Yeah. I've got a few disappointments I'm going to call out and I'm not even going to talk, like I'm not even going to talk about Death Valley on the whole because we already know how we feel about that. And also just the ending of Red Tide we already talked about too. Right, right. The couple things I'm going to talk about, first of all, is that Valiant Thor was not a good use of Cody Fern, in my opinion. It was, I mean, it, it was like a, a robot man. So it was like, it, there was no color to the character anyway, but we know what he can do with a character that has some interesting, you know, People love Cody Fern. If you look too. at Feral, so it was just a bummer that it, it just felt like not a, not, you know, just uh, not effective use of your talent. Um, <clears throat> I also want to say, same with Billy Lord. It just felt like there. We talked about there was no 
real point in doc in in Doctor Lark other than have it just a, w- a way to feature Billy Lord. If uh, that was a bummer, um, love her. So, her character was not necessary. <laughs> not necessary. And then just not getting more background on the chemist. I mean, I feel like there was a lot of why did they only go by the chemist? There was just not enough. Um, there, there was a lot of fruitful opportunity to add more story there. I will say that Angelica Ross was awesome this season. I think she's an MVP candidate too. Oh yeah, she's fantastic. Um, you know, had to play two characters in both seasons. I thought it was excellent good in both, both roles. Um, yeah, and very good in both. But would have just loved to have gotten some additional background on on the chemist and how the pill came to be. It just seemed like. I think we were all hoping and hungry for more background that we never got. And that was too bad. Okay. And finally, um, last question related to this season, unless you have any follow-ups. And this is a fun one. If any two, if any two past American horror story characters could duet in karaoke, who would you choose and why? Oh, that's good. Oh, that's so good. A duet from past characters. Oh, God. I wish you had emailed me this before so I could think about this. Damn it. This is <laughs> this is a good question. You want me to do mine while you yeah, think about it? Yeah, you need it? to go first. You need to go first. I wanted to think of the weirdest combo I could think of, and I'm pretty pleased with what I came up with. I would like to see... Elizabeth Taylor, duet oh. with Papa Legba. Oh my God! With the Axeman playing accompaniment. That's my my trio. Okay, that's unfair because you like you thought about this. <laughs> it's totally unfair. <laughs> now, what song would they sing? I don't know. Um, they would be singing "Summer Lovin'" from Greece. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. Um. Okay. I'm thinking, oh, God. Okay, I'm, I'm going to copy you a little bit. Elizabeth Taylor and Holden Vaughn, also played by Dennis O'Hare in the current uh, Red Tide. There and they would sing Man, I Feel Like a Woman by Shania Twain. Boom! <laughs> I thought about throwing in, um, you know, Lady Gaga's uh, Countess from I Hotel. thought about her too, but she would just steal the show. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be a duet anymore because she would be she uh, overpowering. Yeah. <laughs> Cheyenne Jackson would honestly be fantastic too. Oh, but yes. again, but again, yeah. when you have somebody who's too much of a talent, uh, they're going to steal the show away. So we can't have these Broadway stars stealing everything. Yeah. Hence, I just picked Dennis O'Hare twice, who I love. <laughs> He's so dope. Um, who would be your duet partner if you had to pick a duet partner? And what song would you sing? A duet partner from American Horror Story. Yes. Man, let's see. It would have to be... Well, I would. Oh, of course I'd pick the Countess from Hotel, so that way I could have someone really talented. <laughs> <laughs> that would draw the attention away from me. Um, yeah. You know, I think... I think that'd be a strong choice. Um, 
I don't know. Madison Montgomery, I think. Who knows? Maybe we would have some chemistry. I think Elizabeth Taylor and I could have some <laughs> chemistry, too. Um, yeah. why, why not? Um, trying to think, you know, Dr. Thredson, I, he'd be a creepy one to have a convert, you know, to do a, a duet with. He might he'd be very stiff. Maybe I'd be able to show him up a little bit. So that could be entertaining. Yeah. Um, any of the doc- or Dr. Arden too. Either one of those guys, I feel like would would not be very good at karaoke, and I might have a real opportunity there. So that's something to consider. Um, yeah. How about you? I would choose Sister Jude, and we would do a duet with the Name Game. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Which. I would like to look back at the Excel sheet and see if that was my highest ranked episode ever. <laughs> I can tell you right now. The name game? Uh, <clears throat> I don't know that it was, but it was probably only not because you didn't... Oh. I misspoke. I gave the name game a perfect five and you gave it a four and a half. <laughs> that I... Oh, I thought I I thought I'd only given I. that one. I only thought I'd given that one five to the pilot, but what a call out. Yes, the name game is reviewing here now. Oh. It is the only other episode ever given a five to. I go back on YouTube all the time and watch that like four minute clip. I love it. It's so perfect. Chris Because Chris it Douglas. was the perfect break in the just destitute of darkness. The bleakness that, of asylum. That yeah, that was asylum, and that's why we're that. And I feel like that's why um, all the things that happened, all the songs that happened in uh, uh, other seasons, musical seasons happened because everyone loved that moment. Yeah, I also far, forgot that um, Adam Levine was in. Uh, asylum so you know he'd, oh, be, right. he, he he'd be a good duet partner too because he would also still show yeah he'd be your coach on the voice that's right <laughs> he'd 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 turn his chair for me right okay i i have one more question for you though um if you could be friends with one of the people a friend a friend you can't pick me friends with any of the people on uh american horror story any season who would you be a friend with? They're all they're all messed up, but who who would be your friend? A friend with any character from any season. That is a really tough question. It's my last one. Um maybe James Patrick March I would come to the oh my God. dinner with all the serial killers and we would just have ourselves a blast screwing around with people who come to the hotel. Um, although that makes me sound like a little bit of a, a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? <laughs> I I think I would try. To, I would. I would. I would never take the pill, but I would want to be friends with Austin Summers and Bel Noir, just because. <laughs> like, I feel like. I, they would elevate me to a level where I'd be like, oh, I feel like I'm like, you know, snooty <laughs> in a way. <laughs> no, if if I'm being completely honest with myself, it would probably be, you know, this being our backgrounds, one of the, it'd probably be one of the creatives from 
yeah. Red Tide. It would probably be Harry Gardner. It would probably be yeah. Austin Summers or Bel Noir or somebody like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, knowing this, would you take the pill? <laughs> uh, were we visiting whether or not we would take the pill? Yeah. <laughs> um. I look, I feel like the the popular answer is going to be no, I wouldn't. Um, knowing what I know now, is there any and way I could knowing that you have knowing that you have a child that's only a few weeks away from being born? Ugh, well, I, now I have to say no because it would be too difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone. Before, like, next time you hear from us, Tyler's going to be a dad. But anyway. That's right, and, I, and I'm going to name my child Mamie Eisenhower Moss. <laughs> <laughs> Mamie Eisenhower, TJ Moss 11. That's right. Hashtag, or at. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's that, man. Wrap to double that. feature. Um, whew, what a way to end things. I mean, we had our, high, our highest highs and, in my case, our lowest lows. Um, and so, so there's a lot of emotions going through me right now. Uh, any any desires or predictions for next season as we reflect on what's coming? I I can't even remember how many more seasons do we get. Do we get two more? Is that what's happening? I'm not sure. But I don't think I don't know that there's been like an official cutoff point. I think we were for yeah. sure extended through at least two more. Um, okay. I mean, I I would appreciate not a double feature again. I would appreciate just a regular season. Um, I I I'm excited. I will 100% be there. I know you will be there too. I still am waiting for my ghost ship uh, season. I was going to say ghost ship. Yes, ghost yeah. ship, ghost ship. We want a ghost A haunted cruise line or something. Hell so, yeah. Something about being stuck on like, I don't know. It's like, let's do like a Titanic plus ghost story. One of the most important things about a horror film is that you need to be limited to a location. Hence, when people are like, oh, my cell phone doesn't work. Oh, we're in the woods and we can't get anywhere. A cruise ship is perfect for that. And I think they'll probably do it at some point. Um, I'm kind of frustrated that they try to do aliens in four episodes because an alien episode would have been great for a whole season. Not this one that they did. But that would be great too. But because they've already dabbled in that, let's do a cruise ship. A ghost yeah. ship, which is a great also film. It's spooky, but I think that, that'd be fun. Would you want to see an episode that leaned into a pandemic, or would it feel too on the nose? Ooh, um, I think too on the nose right now. I don't need to dabble in that right now. I don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, you know, you know, just like, just like cult. It was like it's it's happening right now. I don't it's, need to. It's like too <laughs> timely. Yeah. Yeah, I don't need. I want to escape. Um, what what would you want to see in the next episode or season i uh, i very honestly was going to say ghost ship too (laughs) that's uh i'm trying to think of like maybe i'm trying to think if there's like a time period i would want to embody that would be fun um have we done when did asylum officially take place was it like 60s? I think 60s, yeah. And then Freak Show was supposed to be, fifth. I want to say like 50s, right? 50s, 60s, I think, too. I want to see something set in the 1920s. 
I think the 1920s was actually Ooh. Like a very Ooh. creepy time um, with the things that were going on in the world and like how fucked up people were. Um, Let's go prohibition. Yeah. Have you ever watched Babylon Berlin? It's a German no. show on Netflix. It's mm. it's a mystery series. It's not a horror show, but it shows really kind of. It takes place in Germany during the period between World War One and World War Two, and kind of the lead up to like just what a shit show Germany was, and kind of how it set the stage for the rise of the Nazi Party and everything like that. Um, but it was also the Roaring Twenties. But then there was also like everyone was poor. But then they would like. There was like a rampant drug problem. It was just, it was an interesting time that was really trying to figure itself out. And the U.S. had that time as well. So I think, and I mean, I don't know, 1920s um, would be an interesting one. One thing I'm surprised they haven't touched, and I'm kind of glad they haven't, is like like a Jordan Peele style, uh, you know, racism being the form of horror and only because I don't feel like Brad Falchuk and Ryan Murphy are the appropriate people to comment on that. And so I'm glad I'm they shaking haven't touched my head. it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they, yeah, I'd be, I don't think they could do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I also, you know, one thing they haven't, they, we, all our stories have been coastal for the most part, for the most part, um, with the exception of area 51, I think. Right. So, like, there's a lot of, like, rural American stuff that's not happening on the coast that, like, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre type stuff. Like, things in the middle of America that aren't really touched upon. That would be... True. That's, that's rich for storytelling. Totally. Again, everyone, like, whenever I think of stories, I'm like, oh, we should do that. We should do that. And I say we meaning like I work for the, for American horror story, but it's, it has to be like an American story. So we also have not touched on native or indigenous stuff too much outside of Roanoke a little bit, but also I don't know if I want them to touch that because I don't know. I don't trust how well they would handle that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So what should we do in the future before Like, what are we going to do? What are you and I going to do, you mean? Yeah. Well, f- through the end of the year, I'm probably going to be busy taking care of a newborn. But coming into the new year, you know, we obviously are don't want to have to wait until whenever American Horror Stories comes back. If it's not again until next summer, that's a long time. So Chris and I are going to try to come up with something to fill some additional time between now and then. Um, maybe it's revisiting some of these old kind of more... Um, Either just like, you know, horror movies that are a little bit more forgotten or kind of on the fringe of things, maybe more in the more indie realm. Um, we thought we could re- we could kind of, look, I don't know, do something along those lines and, you know, talk about those, review those, recommend those. Maybe do some kind of live event. Maybe we've had recommended to us do a Discord or do live on YouTube or, or something like that. We, we might try to find um, something fun like that to bring people in on. So keep your ears peeled because, you know, it's it's a hard time for us to go this long without interacting with everybody else. And hopefully you feel the same way and we can kind of keep our horror vibes alive throughout the whole year and not just throughout basically the late summer into the fall. Yeah. It used to be all the way into the winter, like back in the day when we'd have eight episodes and we have eight episodes more. It's crazy. I know rough 
bummer that it doesn't do that anymore. Anything else to wrap up before we go? You know, no. We handled it all. It's we sad. I'm so again. sad this is the end. I know. I just want to again say thanks so much to everybody who... Truly. Of course, thanks Thanks so much to everybody who contributed to us uh, this season uh, with our little new Buy Me a Coffee experiment. But also, thank you so much to everybody who writes in, who shares their theories, who messages us, who comments on the Facebook page, um, throws us your theories, even if it's correcting us on history, bringing in background information on this or that, tying it to short stories written by H.P. Lovecraft and this person and that person. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. It's awesome. Um, it helps broaden, you know, what we're able to talk about on the show and uh, adds interesting context and color and theories, all this fun stuff. It makes the show that much better. We wouldn't have a show if it weren't for kind of all those people who contribute. So uh, thank you so much to everybody out there. We sincerely mean it. And if you have feels 100%. after this episode and you still want to talk to us, you always can. You can reach out to us at this American Horror Story at gmail.com or, uh, you know, post something or message us at facebook.com slash this American horror story. Um, we sincerely appreciate it and we're, we're going to miss you. We're going to miss you. Chris, between now and, uh, you know, whenever we, we talk to people next, Aww. when, when shall, um, where can people find you? I will be on Instagram and Twitter a little bit, but more, more on Instagram. Uh, I'm at, at Chris, you said Chris with a K, as y'all know. Uh, Tyler, where can people find you? You can find me on those same platforms at TJMoss11. As always, thank you so much for listening, for sticking with us through Double Feature, through Red Tide, and Death Valley. Through the ups and the downs, we sincerely appreciate it. Hope you have a, ha- hope you have a happy Halloween. And until next time, go ahead. Wait, no, also, um, please share your photos of what you're going to dress as for Halloween. We, like, normally we get to, like, talk about that and post it on our Facebook page and stuff. But, like, if you're doing a face, if you're doing a, a American Horror Story outfit, please share that. That's so dope. Please share. Always fun. (laughs) And so we'll look forward to those. And in the meantime. Until next, happy hauntings.